Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to another episode of your Storybox podcast, where I, your esteemed host, Jay Phantom, has the utmost privilege and honor to unbox amazing stories from incredible people twice a week. I'm delighted and grateful that you're here today. Now let's dive into the Storybox and hear more about our guest today. I want you all to imagine for a moment a world if we were all able to use the gifts that God gave us. This was said by Amir Elissa, my guest today, otherwise known as Papa Baker on Instagram. He is an architect, a baker, a creative director. He's the owner and founder of Kenefe Bakery and Bar Biscotti in North Strathfield, along with his brother, Joey. I apologize, Amir, that it took me so long to actually release this episode, Um, but there is no excuse whatsoever. But the main thing is this episode is now live and I had the pleasure and honor of going to Kenefe Bakery recently with a friend of mine to try it out and experience what Kenefe is like. You would think having interviewed Amir, I would actually have gone to experience Kenefe before interviewing him. No, I didn't. (laughs) I was more fascinated by the actual story behind it. Now I can appreciate what he's been able to build along with his brother Joey and his sister as well, who we speak about on this episode too. And just really the the goal and the dream that these these young men have for, I guess, Sydney and Australia and really the world uh, as a whole with hospitality and service. And one of Amir's most profound lessons that I got out of this, this interview is living a life of being in service to others, not just yourself. And it's it's a really touching and heartfelt interview. I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it because this is really all about Amir and what Amir has built and created with with his family around him and and support group. Now, you guys are in luck today because I'm not going to continue going on. Uh, That would be unfair. And I just want you guys to enjoy this episode. So let's dive into the story box and hear Amir Alyssa's story. So I'm here with Amir Alyssa, or otherwise known as Papa Baker on That's Instagram. Correct. Well done. He's the owner and I would say founder as well of Kenefe Cafe and Barb is Scotty here in North Stratfield. Is that correct? So Kenefe Bakery. Kenefe, yeah. And um, I'm Barbara Scotty. Yeah. Welcome to the Storybox podcast. Pleasure to have you. Now, before we get stuck into like your journey, what that's all been like, I do have a question that I like asking people at the very beginning. Um, and that is, what do you think success is in your life? Or what does it look like for you? Really, really good way to actually start the podcast. 
I wasn't expecting that, which is which is good. I catching you know getting caught off guard. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think success for a lot of different people means lots of different things. Um, for me, it's about my values. Actually, mm. it comes down to the core values, and that's my faith, family, friendships, and obviously the fourth quadrant is is my career. And I think success looks like when you have a little bit of all those elements encapsulated into one day. Mm. You know, I know that I like to start my day having a coffee with my mum. I always make time. I push all my meetings back so I can have a coffee with my mum in the morning. Good half an hour chat, whatever it may be. We talk about life lessons. We talk about lots of different things. And for me, I feel like I can take on the world after that because mm. I know what it means to her and obviously it empowers me. Obviously, you know, my faith, you know, I like to pray in the morning, at night as well. And it actually doesn't matter what faith you are, but I think being close to your faith says a lot about somebody, you know. Obviously there's there's a greater power out there and I think we need to be respectful to that you know, as well. Yeah. Um, friendships, so surrounding yourself with like-minded people, you know. There's a saying, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. And I love that saying. I'm a, I'm a great believer of that. So I like to surround myself with people that share the same values as me, uh, driven, ambitious, um, you know, and, and like to push the boundaries as well, you know, mm. just good, genuine people, someone I can have a really good conversation with. Mm. And then obviously the fourth quadrant is um, the business, and um, which we'll be talking about mm. predominantly. A little bit more in, as, in, as in, in depth today. Yes. And absolutely, it's, I think it's being, um, it's being innovative, being on the edge of the curve, and I think in today's current economic climate, if you want to stand down, um, you really need to think different. Mm -hmm. And so that's the philosophy that we've, you know, we've taken on board over the last five years, especially by being in hospitality all our life. Mm. Over the last five years, we've really understood that. And that's how we've been able to build, I guess, um, an international brand on one product, mm. and which we'll talk about later on. I'm excited to hear yeah. how it all started. Um, now, to go back a little bit, you mentioned you like to have coffee with your mum. Yeah. You like to talk about uh, certain things about your day. You, you don't feel like you've been set up for the day unless you kind of speak to your mum. What is one thing after – I know mums sort of teach us a lot of things. What is one thing that you can think of that comes to mind that your mum has taught you the most? Having a good work ethic, you know, for someone that doesn't take anything for granted um, – she always says, you know, we've been blessed with more than we deserve. And, you know, being grateful for what we have and not, not for not what we don't have. So I always feel like we've, in all stages of our life, I've always feel, we've always felt like we've always been given more than we deserve. And with that attitude, it gives you, you know, that confidence to say, I guess whatever you get from me is just a bonus. Mm. I just feel like I meet a lot of people that they're searching for something. And I think when they achieve this, they'll get that. Where, you know, like I think people, the thing that people are yearning for, like people want to build and succeed and travel and find themselves and they want to do all this, right? And then they come back and they realise everything they ever needed, they already had it. Mm. And it's not until we lose something or realise, you know, that the important things we already have from here on, it's all mm. just a luxury. And where does that sense of fulfilment come from, do you think? Back to my those core values, those, you know, faith, family, friendships, and my work. Mm. You know, being the best of all those elements, and it's it's never always perfect. No, you know, it's always 
it's, it's you know, uh, it's always kind of a bit like a, um, it comes in rhythms, you know. But it's knowing that they're the four values of my life. I know it, it kind of it helps me break it down a little bit. What my you know what my life is all about. Mm. I think a lot of people don't know what makes them happy. But for me, they're my core values. Mm. Where do they come from? Like, is there a specific moment in your life where you can say, this is where I came up with my values or was it a, over a course of, of time? Definitely over a course of time. Mm. You know, we've become a product of our environment. 100%. You know, mm. um, definitely the yeah. upbringing, um, good family values. All impacts. All yeah. impacts. But I think you get to a stage where, yeah, you do become a product of your environment, but you get to a stage where you need to make your environment a product of you. And that's the transition that we've had over the last few years. Mm. Not just in our personal life, but I guess in our business life as well. Like with Kanafi Bakery, we've been incredibly blessed where we've been able to launch in Sydney, Melbourne, New York, and now the Middle East. We do, like a lot of business have to adapt to the to the environment to blend in. We feel like we're the exact opposite. We stay so true to what we do and we feel like people are drawn to that. And so we kind of, wherever we are in the world, we make our environment a product of us. And for us, for, yeah, yeah. It, for us it works. You know, we, we make it work. It's pretty, pretty incredible. Like for, you've been doing it now for five years, correct? Yeah. Yep. How did that all get started? So let's go back to yeah. the very beginning. So... What was your school experience like? So to go back to the very beginning, um, my brother Joey and I, we started um, scrubbing dishes in cafes. Just as a part-time job, we didn't come from a, you know, a well-off family. Family of um, immigrants have come from Jordan and Palestine. Um, obviously, my parents came out here for a, for a better life. And so as soon as we were old enough to work and probably before we even legally allowed, we, we started working, you know, at Pizza Hut and also scrubbing dishes in cafes and mm. I think it, it kind of just stemmed from there. Um, we worked in the kitchen washing dishes for quite a while, a couple of years and had an opportunity to to work front house as servers and we thought, oh, this is amazing, you know. We're in the kitchen, we're, you know, had the wrinkly hands and the <laughs> spongy shoes from all the water and yeah. at the front of the server we get to wear nice clothes and interact with guests and I think it was at that point we realised that there was a passion for hospitality and what I meant by that, what I mean by that is that coming from a Middle Eastern family, like hospitality was not really a job for us growing up. Mm. It was who we were. And so we only look back and realize that now. But at the time it was just a part-time job, which we really enjoyed. We thought, hey, this is so cool. You know, we're getting paid to entertain people. And so things quickly progressed from there. We started running little cafes and restaurants in the Hills District. Um being born and raised in Castle Hill and graduated from high school and still worked in cafes and restaurants. So I wanted to do architecture. For me, I've always loved being you know, creative and loved designing. And my brother Joey was such a people's person and mm. he wanted to be an auctioneer. Ah. So Joey is such a people's person as well. Like he can walk, he has the ability to walk into a room and light it up. Light it up. <laughs> like literally, you know, he's really got that charisma and charm. And it's always been an incredible balance between Joey and I. And so if you kind of, you know, hide one, you got two. Mm. Like a buy one, get one free kind of scenario. So we, we, um, we studied during the day 
and we ran restaurants at night. And we did that for years, for quite mm. a few years. So over the years, we've always stayed in touch with the hospitality game. We got to a stage where we thought, you know what, we can, we can do this on our own. Mm. You know, we've been doing it for so many people. Over the years, I thought we're comfortable enough to take that leap of faith. And an opportunity arose and um, a six-month project in Sydney's West. And um, we went for it, you know, and we thought it was a great learning experience because we learned a lot, a new mm. development. And we took that on board and learned a lot, made a bit of money to to really kind of take the the leap of, you know, um, Barber Scotty, which was a rundown cafe 15 years ago, which my, my sister um, had a contact. She knew we were in the industry. And actually my sister's always been the one to find really good opportunities. And so it's an incredible dynamic, which I'll talk to to you later about. So the um, Barber Scotty, this old rundown cafe in the old biscuit factory where, ironic enough, my parents worked in Arnott's factory when I first came to Australia. So there's a bit of history repeating itself there. Mm. So um, Barber Scotty came about and we thought, you know, let's, let's, it was a bit of a ghost town, North Strathfield, where, we, mm. where we're doing this podcast right now. It's now service offices on this side. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's amazing right. what they've done here. Yeah. And so um, we took Barber Scotty and we, we haven't looked back. So it became a great platform for us to express our personality, um, our experiences, obviously our culture. And um, for me, it became a creative outlet because I kind of given up working in an architecture practice and we fell into our own business. And so a lot of people thought that I'd give up, given up architecture. Till now, I feel, I feel like I've, I really did it. Hmm. I'm just expressing it in a different way. And so our businesses over the years have become my creative outlet. And there's lots of ways to do that, especially mm. in a hospitality game, through obviously construction of dishes, designing the venue, designing menus, functions, events. You know, there's, it's a wide range of things that, you know, you can get involved in. And so I've been incredibly blessed to have the best of both worlds. Mm. A few years into Barbara Scotty, another opportunity arose, which my sister found. Um, it's a rundown building in Croydon Park. Mm. Um, it was dormant for so many years. It was an old auto electrician. And my sister was driving up and down George River Road, Croydon Park for years. And she'd always see this building on the corner. No one's doing anything with it. Anyway, one, one afternoon she took me over there and we stood across the road and she goes, what do you think? I go, what do I think about what? <laughs> she goes, we do, you know, we do this, you know, really cool shisha bar concept. You know, at the time, the whole ideas of shisha were, were taking off where Joe and I were involved in a restaurant running a, a, um, a restaurant in Auburn called Sweets on Queen. And we knew what we had done to that business a few years prior and we thought, you know, we could do something really cool with it, you know, create a really good funky concept. Anyway, we ummed and ahed for a year and we kind of took that leap of faith again, mm. even though we had Barbara Scotty. So Barbara Scotty was tough enough as it is. We were doing a lot of hours there. And so we threw ourselves in the deep end again, running two businesses. One was a day, day trade and... One was nice. So we're doing all day and all night. How did you but, survive? Oh, it was it was tough. It was really tough. Um, but what happened? We armed the night for about a year, mm. and we thought, you know what? Let's do this. So we started working on this shisha bar concept, and we had no menu kind of intended to do. It was just going to be a dessert bar and shisha, and then a lot of talking here about this new Middle Eastern restaurant opening up, and we thought, hell, we haven't even thought about doing 
like, you know, a food menu is going to be like a dessert bar concept. So we re-looked at the, the concept and we ended up making it to like this modern Middle Eastern restaurant. And we started experimenting with a lot of mum's recipes ah. you know, and a lot of Middle Eastern ingredients and dishes that we grew up on. Because up until then, we'll experiment. We'll obviously, you know, um, Barba Scotty is more of an Italian-Australian cafe. Mm. With Chusha, we wanted to experiment with more of who we were. And obviously, with that creative outlet, we wanted to kind of, yeah, have some fun with it. With it, you know, we, we knew our culture is so colourful and vibrant. We wanted to show more of that. Mm. And one of the dishes that we um, experimented with was my mum's kanafe, this dessert that we grew up on. You know, and so for, for those listening, the kanafe that we actually sell at the bakery, it's not even a traditional recipe. It's just it's like an ad. It's, it's, it's a family take. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's my mum's take on it. It's a lighter, creamier interpretation. Think of a, a warm creme brulee mm. where the traditional version is quite heavy and rich and soaked in sugar syrup. Ours is a lot lighter and creamier. So put it on a menu and people really, people really enjoyed it. You know, and... Um, Obviously, the whole experience around it, we served it in a terracotta mold with a, a, a mint tea on the side and mm. it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a winning combo and people just started talking about it, you know. Social media was taken off at the time, um, food bloggers and the daily, I remember the Daily Telegraph did a piece on it. Actually, all of our food reviews became about this dessert. So people started calling up Shisha and they go, we heard about this dessert, can I have you? You know, we'd like to come and have dinner. And try it afterwards, or some people say, do the takeaway. So it kind of took off from there. We started doing a lot of takeaway and would still serve it in a terracotta mold. Mm. And we just asked people if you could just bring the plate back when you're done. <laughs> Which is really funny because we didn't want to change it. We didn't know how to serve it. Like that's we used to just serve it in a terracotta mold. We didn't want yeah. to play around with it, you know. We wanted to make sure people enjoyed it. So some people would return the plate and obviously some wouldn't. And it got to a stage where, you know, we had lines out the door for the dessert and running a 180-seater restaurant, it was tough. Like, and operating out of a one-combi oven, opening and closing it, you'd lose a lot of heat. And we're using the oven for lots of mm. other things. So I was getting into arguments with the chefs about it. And <laughs> it, was, it was a tough time. Like, and I'm thinking, like, it's crazy. Like, you finally get onto something really good and, you know, it becomes an issue. Yeah. So we had to alleviate the pressure off the restaurant. And... Um, I don't know what happened, but I think this is where the whole, I guess my two worlds mm. collided. Um, and what I mean by that is, I guess what I missed out on telling you was, was through my architecture degree, many years prior, I was inspired to do something with a shipping container. Architects many years ago and until now are and were transforming shipping containers into apartments, high-end apartments for living. And as a matter of fact, lots of other uses as well. Just to give you an idea, there's hundreds and thousands of shipping containers around the world that either sit at a, a shipping yard or a warehouse on the back of a truck somewhere and nothing's getting done with them. That's creative. And yeah. for me, I look at it as a, as a blank canvas mm. and I knew there was, you know, there's plenty of availability for them but no one's doing anything with them. So for many years, um, I always had my heart setting on doing something with a shipping container but I didn't know what. Fast forward many years later, obviously the problem with, you know, the challenge with the kanafa and the demand. Mm. Like I said, I think that's where my two worlds really collided and the idea of transforming shipping containers into bakeries came to life. And and that's kind of, you know, how it happened. And 
I remember, um, yeah, it was, it was a crazy. I'm thinking, like, this is, this is nuts. What a ride. Yeah. Yeah. And before I even told my business partners for my brother and my sister, I started actually shopping around for a container. Because I knew if I tried to tell them, then go buy it, they wouldn't let me. So I bought it, shopped around for a, a while, and finally found this Kermit the Frog green rusted shipping container, like a big steel box. Imagine. Mm. Took photos of it and came back and told the family, and, hey, I bought a shipping container. <laughs> what was their reaction? Oh, they, they thought I was mad because I know I'm the, <laughs> I'm the crazy creative one. And uh, I thought they were a bit excited and they, they told me off. I go, relax, you know, we're going we're to turn it into a bakery. And they lost their shit, <laughs> if I can say that on this podcast. They go, what do we know about bakeries, you know, like our backgrounds, restaurants and cafes? I go, relax. I go, it's not that type of bakery. Mm. They go, what do you mean? I go, we're going to be baking canafe. And they knew the problem that we're having at the restaurant the challenges we're facing and so it kind of made sense to them and my mum got excited because she thought we're going to do all these you know middle eastern sweets like you know baklava and you know petit fours and i love baklava yeah yeah so do i so good you know <laughs> and you know my mum when she cooks she cooks you know a million things mm-hmm. and so it's all about variety in the middle eastern culture so she thought we're going to do this big range of middle eastern sweets and i go mum we're just going to be doing kanafe she goes what do you mean she goes what if they don't like it I go, well, they're probably not going to come, you know. But, but I had faith in the dish. And um, I knew the, the way it made people feel. And I, and I knew that if we just create an environment to catch people's attention and get them there first time, I knew we could bring them back. And we've always been driven by experiences, you know, in, in all of our venues. It's a, and what I mean by that, it's, it's about making people feel a certain way. Warm and welcome. And there's a reason why they call our industry hospitality because we should be giving it. And so with Kanafi, we, um, really, we really wanted to take that to another level and create a talking point and still be innovative at the same time. And by the time we launched Kanafi, we'd been in the industry for, in, in the hospitality business for many years. Mm. I think it was about 15, 15 years or so forth, if not more. And it's true when people say experience breeds expertise. You know, mm. if that's one line to take out of this whole podcast is, is that is get experience in whatever it is that you want to do and hands-on experience. Someday you can live and breathe. And it took us 20 years or 15 years to, to become an overnight success. Mm. You've heard that saying, you know, a lot. And so we put all of our experiences into this really simple concept you know and we, we make it look effortless we make it look like we put this shipping container down in a different location every week and people just think thousands of people just turn up mm. you know but there's a whole production behind the scenes which drives it you know a creative team which um is always thinking outside the box how do we keep people interested engaged how do we keep people talking and that's probably the best way to describe Canafe Bakery and, and the Bearded Bakers that we sell experiences. You know, we're, we don't really, we're not in the product business mm. because if we were, it would probably be a six-month fad and people get bored of it mm. like a lot of other businesses that we've seen in the past. And so we understand that, we adopt that and we implement it in our day-to-day, um, I guess, strategy for, for the bearded baker, not just Canapia Bakery, but for all the bearded baker projects is that 
um, with experiences, um, connecting with people, that can always evolve. There's no timeline on that. We can always reinvent and experience. That's good, man. But if, if people get bored of a product, then what? Yeah. You know, and so to give our listeners an insight into, for those who don't know what Canafe Bakery is, it's, it's a one product concept. Mm. We don't even have a menu. You know, no sizes, no variations. You can't actually even change the dish. Just the one thing. Just the one thing. And so the only thing customers tell us is how many they, how many they want. Mm. However, like I said, it's, we make up for it in a lot of other areas. Mm. And it's about, you know, it's, it's creating a meeting place for people. And that's how it started. Is that how do we create a place, an environment where people actually want to enjoy themselves in? Mm. That's good, man. Like, because I, when I first saw Kenefe Bakery, yeah. it was through a news article. Yeah. And then it started spiraling on social media. I think it was about two years ago that I saw it. And my first initial reaction was, this is amazing. Like these guys have done something that is new, it's unique. I didn't know about that only one menu item. I thought that, I thought that was like right now I'm thinking it's pretty clever how it's only one menu and you create the experience around it. But I remember seeing you guys, you and Joey, always dancing out the front with the drums and I thought <laughs> this is something else. Like I, I was never a night person so I never actually made the effort to go out and actually experiences myself but i need to now <laughs> like that's part of like where i was before and where i am now two different times but what does it take to actually run Kenefe bakery and barber scotty because i know you've only got 24 hours in the day is there any time for you to actually get some rest i think as you get busier you start working smarter with your time mm. and as i saying if you want something done ask somebody that's busy so having obviously really good time management is is, is paramount. Mm. Um, but taking a step back before that, it's I think in your in in the team, it's having a good diversity of talent, which is really important. So how do you build that team? How do you go about finding those people that you know you're going to work well with? Do they come to you, or do you go and source them? It's, it starts with your foundation, and and the foundation of our business mm. is my older sister Mona, who runs the office. So she runs. She looks after all the back of house operations. So we know that obviously it's taken care of. My brother Joey is operations, the hiring, the training, quality control. He's the people's guy. Mm-hmm. And amazing what Joey can do with people. It's phenomenal. <laughs> and I'm not just saying it because my brother, but like <laughs> he really knows how to bring out the best in people. Mm-hmm. And as for myself, it's about obviously um, creative direction for all the businesses and the brands. And um the new projects, new new businesses, you know, mm-hmm. business development, and you know, how do we stay on on that the edge of the curve? You know, how do we stay innovative? What projects do we take on board? You know, and so I think with that with that trio, it's such a magical mix. And um, and the fourth piece, which is probably the most important piece, is is our mum, who's the glue between all of us. You know, she keeps us humble and mm-hmm. like you know, it keeps it, it's a family run business, and I said that with the most respect. and But in saying that, I think we, we give the business um, the respect that it deserves as well. Mm. You know, it's, it, yeah, it is a family-run business, but every decision we make, it's in it's in the best interest, mm. you know, of the business mm. as well. That's good, man. That's so good. So what has been for you 
in your own personal life, the, the most challenging thing with running Barbie Scotty or Canefe Bakery, what has been challenging or some challenges that you've had to face? There's, there's obviously there's a, there's a challenge every single day, you know, and this is why, you know, running a business is not for everybody because it, it's, there's ongoing challenges. And so we acknowledge that, you know, that, but now what we do is that we expect challenges. And so for us now, when we face a challenge, automatically we go to solution mode rather than focusing on a problem or how do we fix it? Mm. And that's a game changer for anybody. And where people want to dwell on a product or dwell on a problem, okay, I understand that. Oh, how do we fix it? And so changing the mindset of your, you know, of the people around you, and say, all right, well, how do we fix it? And 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 move on. But in terms of what are the challenges, I think we've got to a stage now where you know, being in, I guess, in any industry, there's a reason why HR is an industry is because it's it's managing personalities. You know, um, and so a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds, different experiences, managing all these personalities to a common goal and direction and for them to understand the philosophy. And so we've been incredibly blessed, especially with the bearded bakers, um, because it's what we've created is like a family. Mm. And so it's um, there's a clear understanding of our core values, which which they all share. And so really shows and and, and, and it shows because you can just look at them and everyone thinks we're related. Yet we're all from different backgrounds, different religions, different cultures, different careers, yet we all come together and we all look like a family. And so I think that's one of the greatest rewards that have come out of this is that we've created a family amongst the bearded bakers. Mm. Um, So that's obviously, you know, ongoing challenges is is managing people. Um, But we've been incredibly blessed. With Knaf to have such an incredible team, um, and being on a, a bit, staying innovative as well, you know, for for me now it's I look at it as exciting, not not as a challenge. I look at it as an opportunity, you know, not not the other way around. So I think a lot of it comes down to to mindset where we don't look at them as as a threat or a challenge. We we automatically how does this how do we use this? To our advantage, because sometimes things happen which force you to be creative. Hundred percent. Yeah. And if things don't happen, if challenges don't arise, you get complacent. Mm. You know, we've been in situations where we're about to open at a location and we can't open mm. due to you know council or due to traffic control or there's lots of legal reasons, and so we have to think quick. And how do we turn that into a positive? Mm. Just like that. Imagine moving a whole restaurant in a couple of hours and then promoting and then having people rock up to this location. How do you do it? You just do it. <laughs> you just do it. And so um, you, you become very resilient, mm. you know, and being and uh, touring for five years, we've met a lot of amazing people. We faced a lot of different challenges on, on lots of different levels, mm. you know, from location scouting to the execution of the location and everything in between. There's a lot of logistics. Is your sister the one that scouts locations? Um, we, we all scout locations. Uh, now more so than ever, mm-hmm. um, locations um, approach us, like businesses and brands reach out. So pretty much 100% of our locations, people reach out mm-hmm. and they go, we'd love 
Knef to come out and um, obviously they know the, the audience that we attract. So we try, what we do is try to create um, a win-win mm. for both brands. And we create a whole campaign about where we're going to be mm. to get people excited. I've seen it. It's pretty cool. You know, and so <laughs> like I said, you know, we, we, we like to take people on a journey and, and, and storytell mm. about where we're going to be this week, who we're collaborating with, what we're going to be doing, where we're going to be, you know. So it's, it's making people feel like they're going to miss out. If, if, if they don't come to Kanafa, mm. you know, and so if you can kind of keep that up, I think you're, you're on a winning streak. Yeah. That's good, man. I want to talk because you mentioned you're telling a story and the mission of the story box is to do just that, to share other people's stories. Yeah. What do you think is so powerful about stories? It gives you the ability to tap into kind of, um, that whole emotional psychology, mm. connecting, connecting with people on an emotional level. Mm. If a brand can do that, you're halfway there. Mm. That's you know, right. You know, it's how do you connect with people on an emotional level, whether it be to inspire them, to whether it be a nostalgic experience, whether it's, um, you know, a fun experience. There's, there's lots of ways to connect. Mm with people, but I think definitely that emotional side of it, if you can become relatable, um, I think that is, is a great, is a great platform to, to tell, to tell your story. And I think, um, being relatable, you know, I don't think we're known for singing and dancing and performing and all of that. Yet none of us do any of that professionally. <laughs> if I can say that mm. with respect to my whole team, like, um, and the boys are amazing. But none of us do it as a profession. Mm. None of us are professional performers, but they all have that natural gift with people. Mm. You know, they, they love hospitality and you can tell on any given night just the way they're engaging with, you know, with our guests. Mm. If you see the Instagram stories or the videos that you guys put out regarding that very thing, you mm. know, everyone's engaged. You just see them smiling at the customers no one likes going to a restaurant and you see the waiters, you know, like with a towel face on, yeah, on, exactly. on the countenance. Like everyone loves, like I, I, I walked to Barbie Scotty and the first reaction that I had was one of the waiters smiling at me and saying, hey, you doing, brother? Come on in. What, what was you like? Yeah. Like that for me was, it's astounding. Like it, it changes your perspective on pretty much life, I think, as well. Like if you're having a bad day, then if you get someone coming up to you, smiling at you, and just brightening up your your countenance that day, it has a flow-on effect. We all have responsibility, like, yeah. a moral responsibility. No one knows what anyone's going through. Mm. And so we look at our businesses as, as an escapism for the world. Mm. We don't know what anyone's going through, but if we can put a smile on someone's face for a minute, five minutes or half an hour, whatever it may be, we feel like our job is done. Mm. As a byproduct, we're selling coffee and we're selling kanafe. But that's only one element mm. of the whole production where I think a lot of businesses start the other way around. They're forcing products and services down people's throats mm. and they don't actually genuinely care about people. No. You know, we, we act like, and I don't like to say this, but like we actually do care. And we've realised now looking back, we were never really building businesses over the years. 
we never really looked at ourselves as businessmen. Like mm. we we built relationships yeah. with people. But now looking back, we realize that is probably the you know the biggest ingredient to building a business mm. is by building relationships. And people never forget the way you make them feel. And till now we have people coming up to us and which we you know, we we sold the restaurant five years ago, Shishan and people still come up and tell me about the things that we used to do, you know, like magic tricks or we used to put like a shawl over them on the, over their shoulder in winter and really small detailed things. And I go, wow, you remember that? Mm. And it kind of, it's so rewarding. Mm. And I feel like that's success. Yeah. The fact that people remember, that. Yeah. this is what success looks like, is making people feel like a sense of happiness mm. by you improving the quality of life for them. And everybody has different, you know, like I have this saying, you know, imagine a world if we all use the gifts mm. that God gave us. And everyone's got different conversation starters. For our family, we use the gift that God gave us of food and people, mm. our love of people. And we use the hospitality industry as a conversation starter. Mm. For you, it's podcast. For other people, you know, it's it's aviation. For other people, it's apparel. You know, there's there's lots of different conversation starters. We're all from different experiences, races, huh? religions, hundred percent. And it all like if we can learn to accept it all. And realize that the human element or the human essence is that relational factor. We are emotional. We are relational beings. If we take that out yep. of business, of life, we die. Yep. We, we become nothing. 100%. There was a study done I was reading about uh, a young person that was too smart for his own good. Yep. And they put him in a mental asylum. He had no interaction with the outside world. I think it was for about 60 days or something. I can't remember how many days it was. But he ended up dying because he didn't have any connection with anyone. So I don't know about you, but when, whenever I'm away from people or by myself, I crave that interaction. I yeah. crave that that connection with someone. For sure, you know, like it just makes an, a difference. Um, and for me, with this podcast, it's more about the story element that I feel that has the power to change lives. You know, if we can change just one person's life, that has a ripple effect. And I may never know who someone else's story has impacted them. Yeah. And gotten them to do something, brightened up their day. It just, it's, it's unknown. But that's the exciting part about it as well, you know. Sure is. So I appreciate you sharing that, man. So I think you were speaking about you umming and ahhing regarding doing Kenefe Bakery and still running Barbie Scotty as well. Was What was the moment where you and your brother and even your sister maybe realised, okay, we're going to do this. We're just going to stop humming and ahhing and we're going to do it. We've always been doers. Mm. You know, and we like to let our work do all the talking. And so when we did take that leap of faith, we thought, you know what? We've got all the, we've got all the tools. Let's go for it. And so, and, and we just threw ourselves in a deep and for us, you know, being comfortable 
is is a dangerous tool. <laughs> you know, it's a dangerous place to be. You know, so I find ourselves every time we get comfortable, mm. we throw we we throw ourselves in the deep end again. I think probably that's um, a good thing and a bad thing. You know, and so um, with that, is you know, moving steel never rusts. So we're always taking on exciting projects to push ourselves um, and to be the best. And so when we did say, you know, let's take on this new project at Crowded Park, the restaurant, um, Joe and I were doing all day biscotti and then all night at the restaurant and we did that for six months and we both almost had a, a nervous breakdown. It was too tough. So we thought, we said, Joe, Joe will run the cafe mm-hmm. and I'll run a restaurant and then and Mona will stay behind the scenes and manage the back of house operations for both businesses where there's a lot of work that goes on you know, in terms of finances, wages, you know, tax, everything, you know. And so I think it was at that point where we started to form a bit of a structure for the company and clarity of roles mm. is very important in any business, you know, and being a family-run business for so long, everyone was doing everything, mm. just patching. We just jumped in wherever we needed and till now, if I can be honest, like we still, if someone need, something needs to be done, we will jump. But everyone has their clarity of role mm. where they spend most of their time, you know. And so we're blessed to have that environment where three different personalities focusing on three different elements within the company gives us the opportunity to really spread our wings. Mm. Yet we all bring ideas to the table. Um, and face on challenges together. Mm. And I think in business, it's, it's not always smooth sailing. No. You know, there's, like I said, there's, there's always challenges. If I said it was red and rosy all the time, I'd be lying. Mm-hmm. But we're doing something that we're passionate about. We're a part of something that has changed a lot of people's lives. And so that's what drives us, is that to overcome these little obstacles all the time, we know that we're a part of something greater than us. You know, th- there's a legacy there, you know, for our for our family and our extended family who who are our team at Barber Scotty, at Knafe, and all the and, and our future businesses mm. that we're working on. I think there's there's an old saying: if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Totally. You know, I mean, you guys have started something that is truly amazing, and he, being able to hear the backstory that not many people actually get to hear is quite powerful, I feel like. So thank you for sharing, man. Um, now, I want, to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about purpose, if I can, for a moment. So what do you believe purpose is? For me, you know, having a sense of purpose is being a part of something that you're passionate about mm-hmm. and something that you truly believe in. And something that you can live and breathe as well. And so for me, my I feel like my purpose is, is to um, is to showcase not only my creativity but my personality, our culture, and my my passion for everything that I love doing and putting all packaging it in a way where I can share that with the world. Mm. And I'm incredibly blessed that we can do that through our businesses. 
Mm. You know, and that kind of gives me a sense of purpose that it's so rewarding when the businesses that we create for people, the way people respond to it. And that's what gives me strength and it's what gives me confidence mm. when people actually receive what you do in such a beautiful way, mm. you know, and it kind of pushes me to become a better person as well. Okay. So, um, yeah, my purpose is it's about, it's about passion, it's about creativity, uh, it's about being innovative. And this is, this is all on a business level, mind you. Um, on a personal level, I'll go back, you know, to the, I keep going back to these core values. Mm. I know my, my purpose in life in general, it'll always be the foundation of my values. Mm. That's good, man. And that's not negotiable. Mm. Mm. Because you need to set a standard for yourself. 100%. Because if you don't set a standard for yourself, you're going to start accepting things that you don't deserve. Mm. That's true. So true, man. And... I am very mindful of your time. So last two questions. Uh, three bits of advice that you could give either a young person, an older person, needing a bit of a boost in life or they're just starting out. So three, three core bits of advice that you would give to someone. Well, actually there's lots, but to, to narrow it down, hopefully I can give three good ones. <laughs> um, number one is... You only get out what you put in. Mm. You cannot put a 50% effort into something and expect a 100% result. It just doesn't work that way. Mm. Listen, you can fool a lot of people, but you can't fool yourself. That's right. And so you know how much you put into something. That's number one. Number two, be disciplined. Have discipline in your day-to-day -day life. Mm. We become a, a product of our habits whether it be good or bad, mm. your daily habits will end up shaping you. So what are your daily habits that you do every single day without you probably even realizing mm. they shape you? So set good habits because you know what? In life, you don't see your, you don't see your, your life painting out. Mm. But it's those small things that you do every single day that end up shaping who you are and don't underestimate that. Mm. And, and third is find something that you're passionate about. Find something that you love to do because no matter what you do, you're going to face, like, there's going to be challenges and struggles and, you know, it's a whole whirlwind, whirlwind of emotions. Mm. But find something that you're passionate about and something, find something that you love doing. And I understand that not a lot of people can just go drop their career because they have families and kids or commitments, whatever, and, and do something that they're passionate about. But you can keep your nine-to-five job. There's lots of hours after work. Mm. Instead of going home and sitting in front of, on the couch and watching Netflix and chilling, work on a side project. Mm. That, will get, that will keep you excited. That will give you something to look forward to every afternoon. Mm. I mean, so many people that go, oh, my God, I can't wait till the day's over. Why? You're going to be back here tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then before you realize, you're hitting your 50s and you're going, not that 50s old, but you, you go, what have I done? What have I done? Where did my life go? Yeah. Your life went when you kept saying, 
I can't wait till my day's over. So find something you're passionate about and put some time away towards it. Mm. Even if it's half an hour every single day. Imagine you put an hour every single day, which anybody can do. Even if you have a family, put the kids to bed, mm. you know, and focus on an hour on something that you're passionate about. That's seven hours a week. Thirty-two hours in a month, I think. Is it? I'm not yeah. good at math. Thirty hours a week, <laughs> thirty hours a month. But imagine you spend thirty hours a month, mm. and this is and it's very achievable for every single person. Of course, yeah. Imagine you spend an hour on something that you're passionate about every single day. Mm. Before you know it, you see this thing coming to life, and you go, "Shit, this can actually be something." Yeah. But you need to have discipline to do that. Mm. That's good, man. Really yeah. good. Now my last question is, what's next for you? What's next for Papa Baker? Oh, um, there's there's lots of exciting things. Um, one thing that I'd love to share with you is, um, I'm not sure if I encapsulated the whole Canafe model, but the last few years, as such, um, as I mentioned earlier, 100% of our locations people reach out, businesses and brands reaching out, and so what we do, we actually create a whole campaign about where we're going to be, and obviously we invest into that campaign as well, and this is how we keep people interested mm. in what we do and it's a collaboration really people reach out because obviously they're either doing a launch of a new brand or a business they want to get awareness of some sort so people reaching out for a reason mm. so we come in as this one hit and wonder with Canafi Baker and Abita Bakers with videographers photographers we get our bakers involved and we get people excited right and so we come in obviously over a week a four day bracket and the week leading up to that we get people excited about Mm. this brand so it's all about pushing their socials creating really good content really good storytelling and then the icing on top is having Kanafe at their location mm. find the bearded bakers you know here and so we'll do this over a, a week or a two week bracket and get people excited there's so much hype around this brand that we're collaborating with and so I'll get back and check up over the last few years I'll get back and check up on these businesses that we've collaborated with and I go, how's business? And they go, oh, it was amazing when you guys were here. There was so much hype. You know, the followers was awesome. It was so engaging. Everyone was on a high when Knafe came out. Obviously, there's a lot of buzz around it. Mm. And I go, what about now? They go, we don't know what to do. <laughs> I go, what do you mean? I go, like, you know, we've given you, like, you know, the tips and tricks on how to kind of keep people interested, you know, creating really good content, storytelling, you know, lots of little, mm. you know, hints and tricks. What I didn't realize is that there's a lot of businesses that need ongoing support. Yeah. And we experienced this in the past. Like it's so hard running a small business. You get so caught up in it mm. that you have no time to think outside the box. And so this is how Baker Media came, came to life. So essentially we're building a media agency mm. um, designed to support small businesses because over the last of the over the last five years we've worked with lots of different businesses in lots of different industries mm. and we've worked with a lot of talent as well from photographers videographers cartoonists graffiti artists copywriters you know um you know pr agents lots of talent right and so baker media is this kind of this conduit between all these struggling businesses that that can't think outside the box. Mm. They get so caught up working in their business that they've got no time to work on it. 
So Baker Media is a contract between the small businesses and all this amazing talent that we've worked with over the last five years that are looking for work. Mm. And so it's about, you know, creating direction. It's about business thinking, helping businesses think differently, brand partnerships, collaborations, events, activations. It's not just about creating really good content, which one of the services will be doing, but a step before that is how do we make businesses think differently? We get excited about helping people. And that was the game changer for us. Mm. We know what ticks our boxes. We know what gets us excited. And we love helping people. Mm. And so if that can be a business in itself where it can be a win-win for everybody involved, um, obviously supporting small businesses, getting work for, for talent. And for us, it gives us another creative outlet to help business think in an innovative way. And so while businesses are working in their business, we'll be working on it. Wow. Showcasing them in a way that they never dreamed of. Mm. That's incredible. I'm excited to see where that goes. So am I. But that's, that's awesome, man. You're someone that doesn't just talk the talk. You walk the walk. And that's what's the most important thing. You can say everything under the sun. But if your life does not reflect that, then you can't, you can't continue to fake life. You can't continue it's, to fake it's yourself. It's so true. It's so, so true. And, you know, I'm so, like, I'm glad you mentioned Like, that's why actually we try to let our business do all the, we let all of our work do all the talking. Mm. I just feel like the more you talk, like, if you need to talk about it all the time to people, you feel like you need to convince. Like, for us, we stay under the radar and we let our work do all the talking and people come to us again. people come up to us and they go my god you've worked with Mercedes and Lamborghini Qantas and Microsoft and I okay, we've been incredibly blessed yeah you know and so it's nice when people can see that rather than you telling them mm. and so I guess we're, for us we're comfortable in our own skin as a brand and we take on some really exciting work but it's it's nice when your work can do all the talking for you yeah I feel like that's the perfect way to end it. So I feel like I could talk, you, talk to you for ages. We've got like so, so little time. Um, look, Amir, really appreciate you coming on the Storybox, sharing all your stories with us, your advice, insight into everything. I know a lot of people are going to get something out of it. So I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me and I wish you the best of luck Thank for you. the future. Appreciate it. Cheers. I don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it'll go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know.
I'll catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.